Welcome to the Gold Silver Pros Podcast with Rob Keens, your precious metals podcast for interviews, breaking economic news, and more. Today's episode, Precious Metal, Nuclear, and Energy Equities Will Rise, featuring John Fennick. Hey everybody, this is Rob Keens of goldsilverpros.com. We're recording this on March 19th. 2022. It will be some few days before this gets released on the channel. So I just wanted to date it there in case we talk about anything about prices. I'm joined here with a returning guest of the program, John Fennick of Fennick Consulting. He was first on our program, I want to say back last Thanksgiving timeframe with Andy and the roundtable, and then uh, came to our first conference of the year, the Money Metals kickoff that we had back in January. So we wanted to have him back on the program to revisit some of the things he talked about before, and then also go through uh, some of the metals and he may have uh, some names that he's looking at. Uh, John, how are you doing today? Good, Rob. Thanks for having me back. Absolutely. So just a refresher for people that may not have uh, seen you in a while, give us a little bit of your background on what you do with Fennec Consulting and the, the types of investments that you're making. Sure. So I started in 1992 as an analyst at Merrill Lynch. I worked in the equity business and mutual fund and ETF business for most of my career. In 2019, I started my own consulting business. Um, you know, we don't have all the answers. There's so many good people out there, not only in, in this sector, but in finance in general. So we're very fortunate to be where we are right now. And I never lose sight of that. Um, I would say that, you know, for your listeners, one of the themes we can talk about today is paying for advice, you know, and when I say advice, that's a difficult word. Advice is, is like, hey, this is what I'm doing. You choose to do whatever is right for you based on your risk tolerance and your goals. I don't know anything about you, right, as a listener. So we, we encourage people to do a phone call with us uh, to be able to express what they're trying to get out of their investments because everyone's different. Um, so I think following a Seeking Alpha author or following CNBC is just a blind kind of like rabbit hole that can get you in a lot of trouble financially. And, and we can cite some of those things. But when I was on your show with Andy at Thanksgiving time, Andy and I were both talking about the possibility of a market correction. And I think I mentioned 10 to 15% off. And if you look at the NASDAQ, we've seen that kind of decline. Um, the momentum names, however, have been way worse. And so you have to be uh, you know, cognizant of what you own at this point in the cycle, right? You've had 13 plus years of an uptrend. You've had markets at all time highs in 2021. We're starting to see the wheels come off a little bit, and um, I would argue that they're going to come off further if the Fed is uh, going to follow through on seven total rate hikes, uh, which they just said, you know, March 16th for 2022. Yeah, and that, that's interesting what the Fed announced. I think they, they're intimating maybe a quarter point each time, although they could go, you know, up if they wanted. There's nothing that says they couldn't go down. They could go to a tenth or something. Mm -hmm. You know, they put interest rates near 2% at the end of the year. Real quick. I wanted to get your thoughts on, given the debt environment we're in, what is 2%, if we get to 2% on the federal funds rate, what does that do to, to the debt markets? Any, any, any clue or, or thought on how that could affect them? You know, I don't get too deep into different areas like that. I'm, I'm mostly an equity guy. And, and mm -hmm. here's my thing, Rob. I think if you have seven rate hikes this year, the, the NASDAQ and the Russell and all those major indices are down 20 plus percent for the year not yeah. from like right here, okay? Mm -hmm. um, there's no way the market can handle that, none. Yeah. Um, and and I, I feel very confident in saying this in the sense that I've seen this uh, movie play out before. If you're looking at the fall of, of 2018, right? 
S&P goes from September to December of 2018 down 19.9%, like mm -hmm. clockwork, right at the 20% level and mm -hmm. rebounds the day after Christmas, right? It never looks back. Why did that happen? Well, Powell was starting to get a little bit more dovish in December of 2018 and got super dovish in January of 19, right? He realized that he was needing to back off a bit. And then the, that's when we went all in. We don't have that environment today, right? We've got a hawkish Fed. We've got someone who just said two business days ago, hey, I'm going to raise seven times. That's our consensus at the Fed. Okay, mm -hmm. that's not the best environment for stocks. It's not the best environment for mining stocks necessarily either. So you have to be using what we call a rifle approach to the sector. You know, we've said this on numerous podcasts, buying GDXJ and crossing your fingers is not a strategy. No. If you look at that chart over five plus years, you've lost money as we speak right now. Like that is not going to work for most investors yet. That's where most investors put their money. It's billions of dollars, right? So like between GDX and GDXJ, you've got, you know, 10 plus billion dollars. I don't know what the number is right now. It's a lot of money, right? So we say to people, why not use a more thoughtful approach and actually know what you own? And, and that way you can sleep better at night rather than you know buying just a, a blind ETF. Yep. So you joined the conference on January 26. You had a nice presentation there. Update us. I think you gave some, some names out there. Update us on those. Yeah, sure. So the three that I think I highlighted back then, uh, Golden Minerals, which is A-U-M-N, was at 38 cents on January 26. It closed, uh, you know, this week at 57 cents. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the stock looks like it's in an uptrend. It's got an RSI around 60, 61. So it's still got some room, um, but it's a gold and silver producer, uh, which we really like because those the small producers will start to get some love as they produce. It's not just gold and minerals. It's the entire sector, right? You're, you're creating cash flow for your company. You don't have to do financial uh, offerings, meaning like uh, private placements, you know, going forward necessarily because you've got enough cash in the bank. And I like the diversification, uh, uh, you know, at the company between three different countries, including the U.S. Um, we also mentioned um, Idaho Champion, which was GLDRF. Uh, we mentioned it at four cents even on your show. It's at five cents even now, but it got as high as uh, seven, um, you know, since then. We really like that they're 100% in the U.S. and it's mm -hmm. Idaho, um, very good juris jurisdiction. What people don't realize is that they have over 640 claims in the cobalt area in Idaho. And if you look at a company called Gerbois, um, you know, their chart looks absolutely beautiful and they're adjacent to Gerbois. So mm -hmm. I think at some point someone's going to wake up and realize like you're not just you're not just buying gold with this company, you're buying cobalt. And that has tremendous value right now because so much of the world's cobalt is made in the Congo, right? Um, produced in the Congo. So we like that stock. Jonathan Buick's been doing it a long time and we still own it. Um, the other one was a, was an interesting play, more of an, uh, an ARB play, which was New Placer Dome. Uh, we gave that to listeners at 0 0.075 NPDCF. We said that the deal with Copar would likely go through. Uh, that hasn't happened yet. So you have to you know keep an eye on that. But we think if the deal does go through, um, that you know shareholders will be rewarded because you're going to get paid in Copar shares, and Copar is a much bigger company with the ability to raise money much better, and um, you're trading at 0.085 right now, so it's done you know quite well. So, so it seems as though you're looking more in the early stage, you know, expiration, early stage developers. Do you look further down the market as well, near term producers, producers? Is that part of of what you cover? Yeah, uh, great question. If you look at our six plus year track record, we've owned Newmont, we've owned AEM, mm -hmm. I still own AEM. 
Um, we own a lot of the bigger cap stuff as well. We use GDX and GDXJ as well. Um, even though, I, you know, based on what I just said, you may not get garner that. We own that as a hub, you know, because you, as a portfolio manager, I think you need to own the big stuff as a core holding and then build satellites around that, meaning the kind of three names that I gave you, right? Some of the smaller stuff, but has higher betas. Um, so I think, I think uh, you know, the whole sector looks good now, whether it's large cap, mid cap, small cap, micro cap. Um, some of the some of the royalty companies look good. You know, I mean, they, they, they are less interesting to us in the sense that they do better in down markets. And right now, I don't think we're in a down market. I think we're in a bull market. I think we are. So, it you know, we've had a breakout on gold, 18 month consolidation. We had the base metals, zinc, lead, all of those things. Um, silver is doing pretty well, though I would argue that it's it's severely undervalued to what probably supply demand physically says it should be. Mm -hmm. uh, real quick, uh, before we get into any more specific equities, what are your view on gold, silver? Do you see long term, you know, given geopolitical risk, all that financial risk we talked about earlier? Do you see those re-entering another bull market? Meaning gold and silver? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, gold, we own zero, silver, we own 10%. So that kind of mm -hmm. tells you where I think, you know, the value is. Mm -hmm. um, I, I would, I don't dislike gold, but I've said on your program, I think twice now, um, I really think that gold equities, like some of the names I just mentioned, provide you torque to the gold price. Yes. Um, and, and so that's why we're, you know, if this were filmed January of 16, I owned a lot of gold. Right, because mm -hmm. it's at eleven hundred an ounce. At, at closing in on two thousand an ounce, I'm less interested in owning the metal. I'm more interested in owning the equities because the market hasn't really figured this out yet. Why haven't they figured it out? Well, I think it's because the portfolio manager today has so many options at their fingertips. Right, it's clean energy, mm -hmm. Bitcoin, just buying the QQQ or the Russell. There's so many momentum type, you know, oriented investments someone can can buy our sector is just starting to get recognized and, and, and this is why it's so exciting, right? I mean, I think January 5th was, was kind of, for me, you know, following up the December 15th Fed meeting, those two were, were pivotal days, right? December 15th was probably the low in our sector, as I've said, January 5 was when the Fed just sort of said, hey, look, we're going to be hawkish this year. And they followed through on March 16th, right? I mean, like, so we're in a different environment. The Fed has come around to real, you know, really saying we got it wrong on CPI, and and you know we, we still believe that the market's extremely strong. That's where we disagree. You know, it's like I don't think the U.S. economy can handle seven rate hikes. Do you? I I don't, and I do think that pretends well for the precious metal environment. And I and I think you're right. I think that when I look at precious metals equities, I look at them on a they're historically undervalued. At least the last 20, 30 years for me, where mm -hmm. I've really focused my research on the equity space. They have not caught up to gold and silver prices since 2016. Like you said, people are investing in the indices, so only some of the bigger names are getting it. Some, but some of the the potential that you've been mentioning that we've been talking about is more on the left side of the development process for miners. It's in the explorers. It's in the early stage developers. It's not necessarily in the big producers who are going to get get the money. My theory is is when. Uh, as additional crises happen, especially if you have any sort of debt crisis, people are going to come back into gold and silver. That's going to bid up the equities. And I think we'll see a run like we saw in 2009, 2011, where the whole equity complex comes up. So even like the juniors and the, and the early stage developers are going to get money. And I think that could, you know, rising tide could lift all boats there. Do you remember back to previous equity, you know, gold, silver equity markets? And has that been your experience? 
Yeah. So summer of 2020, we saw a tide rising all ships after G GDX helped that 3240 level. It was was the, was the uh, bell ringing for me in June of 2020. Um, we went, you know, heavily into GDX and J back then because those kind of names got a bid, right? Um, that's the kind of environment we're kind of in right now, but you have to proceed with more caution because, you know, it's not go time just yet. There's going to be some choppiness between here and, say, the summertime when people kind of figure out what the Fed is really going to do, right? We saw what, what they said they were going to do now in March, but the war in Russia and other factors are real. Like, I mean, if, if things get really out of control with Russia, do you think the Fed's going to raise seven times? I mean, come on. It's, yeah. it's just not going to happen. We don't know that what, what, how that is going to play out, right? It's, it's a terrible situation, but it's one that bears watching because if you don't pay attention, you know, those are the kind of things where you can lose money, right? And, and so we're on it, you know, 14, 15 hours a day right now. This is, to us, the time you have to pay attention and, and go, you know, get really serious. And that's how, Rob, I was in summer of 2020. We were up 86% that year. Um, in 2016, when I was at my computer all the time doing this, and uh, we were up 149% that year. Those are two of my best years ever because we invested the time. So going back to the theme we talked about earlier, whether it's me or some other professional, you need to align with a professional at this point. You can't pay $10 a month to someone from Seeking Alpha and cross your fingers and hope that that person knows what you're trying to achieve, you know? Mm -hmm. So talk outside gold, silver. I know you cover, you know, other commodity uh, stocks. Tell us about where are you in commodities? Do you have any names first there that you're following? Sure. So, you know, we've talked a little bit about gold and silver. Um, I would say that in the silver space, you know, we're buying, like you said, explore codes and developers where people just have given up and, and mm -hmm. there's no reason to give up here. <laughs> you know, you've got wind at your back. So we like Aftermath Silver, which is AAGFF. It's around 28 or 28 and a half right now. Um, the downside is they're in Chile and Peru. So this is not our best, geo, you, know, you know, in terms of geopolitical risk, there is geopolitical risk there, right? Right. But the question we ask ourselves as investors all the time, is this permanent or is this transitory, right? And mm -hmm. it's, it's not permanent. If you look at Peru, they've had regime changes like every year, like clockwork for the last five or six years. It's, it's going to change. Castillo will move on and someone else will come in. And so, you know, we think that a lot of Peruvian stocks look attractive here. We just bought Bear Creek for the first time on Friday around 81, 82 cents. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of different opportunities in that space that have just been underwater because of the political risk. And we think that's factored into prices right now. Um, in the gold space, you know, I, there's so many names that I follow, Rob. Um, I would just tell people that draw a chart of, of uh, GLD, just using that as a benchmark from summer from for three years, right? You're going to see two peaks. You're going to see the summer of 2020 peak and the recent peak we just had in March. Um, show me any junior stock that's doing as well as, you know, the gold price. They're not, they're no. not, those charts are hardly out there. there. There's a handful, right? So, so that's the value to me is like buying these out of favor gold names, whether they're, mm -hmm. you know, micro cap or small cap, whether they're producing or not, and just buying a basket of stuff that you can live with and hold, you know, that's, mm -hmm. that's kind of the thing that we do with, with, you know, educating investors. Moving on to something like copper, you know, I know you've written on copper for years and, mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's pretty exciting times, right? We broke that all time high just here recently um, and it's faded a bit, but the chart still looks beautiful to me. So it's kind of a head scratcher as to why some of these copper juniors haven't done better. 
Um, we like Granite Copper uh, very much here. They just did a webinar on March 17th. Uh, the ticker is GCXXF. Um, they're trading at 12.7 cents, you know, 0.127, excuse me. Um, you know, if you look at the chart, a three-year chart that is, it's completely retraced all of its gains and yet copper's going up. Like, why mm -hmm. is that? There's, there's nothing there news-wise that's been um, in the way. It's just a, it's based in the Yukon. It's in a good jurisdiction. Um, they can't drill all year round, which may be holding it back. I don't know, but I mean, the, the, the holes they produced are pretty good and they just put out uh, a really interesting report this week. So I think that the stock, you know, has some legs here. Um, okay. And, and, you know, moving on to one other I, I could give you here, I guess, in Palladium. Um, you know, Palladium for us is something I've written on Palladium for Sprott. I feel very comfortable in that sector. If you look at PALL, which is the tracker, Rob, it's been all over the map because, you know, 41% uh, of the world's Palladium is produced in Russia. So with that volatility, we've been trading the Palladium names heavily. And we've been right, you know, more than we've been wrong. One that we really like that we think will have some news flow uh, that they publicly telegraphed after their 43101 report is Canadian Palladium, which is DCNNF. Um, this stock is, um, you know, just in, in a really good jurisdiction in Sudbury in Canada where there's been takeouts before. Um, but they have another project in Europe, which gets absolutely no play at all, um, which is copper cobalt. And, um, you know, that could get some news flow at some point here because it, we haven't heard anything about it from the company in months. So I think that, um, you know, when you look at the combination there of, of, you know, three metals that they're trying to find that are really under uh, supply demand crunches, um, we like that name. Gotcha. Uh, any other names, any other sectors you're investing in? I know you're pretty wide when, when you invest, you have mm -hmm. a, a good portfolio. Are you in energy or anything else that you, you yeah. want to talk about? Good point. Um, we run an energy portfolio that's separate from mining. Um, I've done that for a couple of years now. Um, we're going to start marketing that this year because we had a tremendous year last year. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, it's to me, we're, we're about 45% cash right now in energy because um, I know that sounds counterintuitive with energy running, but we've, we just took a lot of profits in the last two weeks. Yeah. So I, I, I tend to you know, the whole idea is making money for my followers, right? It's like, exactly. you have to sell at some point. I do a really good job of selling. I, I'm not emotional about stocks like some people are. You have to sell. And, and so like we teach people on how to do that and how to look at technicals and find good exits. Um, with energy right now, <clears throat> one name that I really like is Jericho, which is J-R-O-O-F. Um, they are transforming themselves from an oil and gas company in the U.S., Mm -hmm. to a hydrogen company and clean energy company, right? So gotcha. they've changed their name, they're transitioning. Um, one of their biggest shareholders um, is, I can't name him, but it, he, is, he is a major CEO of a major you know, Fortune 500 company. Um, that's got, that got my attention in, in 2020 because mm -hmm. why would this guy be investing in this stock no one's ever heard of? And then they announced that they were getting into the hydrogen business, which is extremely profitable right now. I would imagine with this Russian move that a lot of companies would be calling a company like that or other companies like that and saying, how do I get clean quick? Because it's, it's, it's going to be a problem for, 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 for energy persistently if this continues. Yeah, I do think a lot of the energy crisis going on in Europe prior to the invasion and now all the sanctions around Russia and Ukraine are going to cause tremendous upheaval in the energy space. And I think push a lot of people toward cleaner energies. Hydrogen is one wherever you can get hydroelectric, if you're lucky enough, geothermal, probably more wind and solar for grid power. 
Uh, I actually think it's going to push people in the arms of uranium too, because I think the only long-term play in grid energy, if you're talking about replacing fossil fuels, uranium has to be a part of that. Uh, it's it's more stable. It's cheaper per unit. It's more stable than a lot of the solar. Uh, if you can get other forms of power, it's great. Um, but I see uranium being, you know, big maybe in the next few years in energy. Uh, do you feel the same way? Do you follow anything in uranium at all? Yeah, it's interesting you mentioned that. I, I got really interested last year, and, and as you know, I worked at Sprott and worked for Rick Rule and picked his brain. And, and the time that I was there, like every time that I was in the office, and that guy really knows the uranium market, right? And I don't like pretend to know anything close to that. Um, I think that the junior space or the, the, the somewhat more developed names look interesting to me by CCJ is a, is a no brainer. Like that's the big cap name, like the new month of, of, of uranium. Right. But we want to always find the stuff that no one else has figured out yet. So one name that we like is uh, forum energy. I think we talked about that offline last year. It, it's a really interesting stock in that it does not only uranium, but it, it tries to find copper and palladium and nickel. And so all of that stuff is in, in, you know, the charts all look beautiful, right? It's like the, the stock got bombed out by the Uranium Insider um, last year because he put a sell on it. You know, he made a lot of money and, and he's entitled to sell, right? But we're entitled to buy. So right, we're, exactly. we're going to take the other side of that trade and, and say, well, is the selling begetting selling now? Absolutely. If you look at the chart, the ticker is FDCFF. It got really hurt in Q4 by that. And, and that's kind of what we were saying offline, Rob, is that this, this world is going towards influencers, newsletter writers. It's not necessarily about results all the time. It's like if someone has that many followers and they're going to make a move in or out of a stock, that's their prerogative, but it will cause volatility, right? And so you have to be ready as, a, as an investor for that volatility. Ask you know someone like me, is this... Is this something material to the company? No, mm -hmm. it's simply someone who made a profit who's leaving. Cool. Like, you know, let's buy the other side of the trade. Yeah, it's an accumulation pattern. And that's something that, that I love when you come on and say this. One of the things I try to educate people on, because we have really sophisticated investors on our channel, and then we have people who are trying to learn. And we like to cater to everybody. We're trying to make this open and democratic for everybody and provide everybody an opportunity, you know, to invest for their future. We don't just want to cater to people who already have success. So for the new sure. investors out there, one of the things to really to remember is, and it sounds simple, but you buy low and sell high. So mm -hmm. don't always momentum chase. Don't always get on the backs of something and think it's going to go up forever. And conversely to that, just because something comes down doesn't mean the value proposition has changed, that the fundamentals have changed. Like you said, it could be somebody exiting out. It could be a sector you know, that's not sexy right now, but it's going to come back and be sexy because everything's cyclical. Um, mm -hmm. So those are things, you know, to watch out for. And there's a lot there in, in theory, John, about how you manage your portfolio that really matters. And I know that you provide that kind of insight to uh, people that follow you as well. So with yeah. that, tell us how people can get more information on your service and how they can find you. Sure. Um, probably my email address, all that will be in the show notes, right? Yes, we'll put that so, down there. We'll put your, put your email if you want it. We'll definitely put your website. Yeah, great. And so, um, you know, fennecconsulting.com is the site. Um, my personal email is firstname.lastname at yahoo.com. So um, we basically, you know, do the best we can to get back to everyone quickly. Um, one thing we don't do is if you send me like, what do you think of these eight stocks? We don't reply for free because we have so much interest in what we're doing right now. We can't do that, but we can try to work with every single person in their budget. You know, I'm very fair. Um, I try to, you know, 
I never forgotten where I've come from in my life. I grew up yes. poor. So I, I know that everyone, you know, comes from different walks of life, has different things happening to them. And they, they, that doesn't, you know, get in the way of them wanting to learn more. So, you know, we try to do the best we can to lead. Um, you know, one of the things that we started this uh, past year in 2021 was a, a newsletter called Authentic Commodities Report, mm-hmm. um, which I think is an easy way to start. You know, it's $65 mm-hmm. a month um, and then people can get an idea if they like our kind of approach and then move into something where they get real time alerts, you know, in their in their inbox um, on, on the trades that we do uh, and try to mirror those. Um, we also offer phone calls and we're starting uh, a masterclass service starting probably in April of next you know, ne- next month where We'll do uh, some events that will be around certain topics to help people get a better understanding of what we're seeing in the charts. Yeah, I think my forte, John, John, in this space is education and research. I don't like to do stock picking. That's why I don't do newsletters anymore. But I like to bring people on the show that do that approach because a lot of people, especially when they're first starting or even if they made their money in business but are not an investor, they have money but they need help. What do I invest in? I like to bring on people that are trusted. And I want to define that real quick. You know, I meet all the time with stock promoters. Stock promoters are great. Stock promoters serve their purpose. But what I really like are analysts that that take an approach, establish a strategy and help people through that. And that's why I like to bring people like John on the program. It's much better than just following social media to have somebody there to kind of walk you through the process and be somebody you can pick up the phone and call. And John does all that. So thanks uh, for joining the program again, John. We'll have you back on probably on a fairly regular basis especially as we expand our coverage beyond gold and silver, that announcement's coming in the next couple of weeks. We're building a completely new platform to go into the other areas. So we're going to be a one-stop financial shop here, not just in gold and silver. So we'll, we'll involve John more when we do that as well. Uh, thank you so much, John, for, for coming back on. Have a sure. great weekend and we'll talk to you again. Thanks a lot, Rob. You too. Thank you for listening to the Gold Silver Pros podcast. Follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, and Twitter. See you next time.